Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Chris Harper, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I guess we should mention uh, that we connected through Andrew Mock. Yeah, we'll give him uh, some help receive, some credit for it. Um, How do you and Andrew know each other? So we went to uh, high school together, um, and I, I was was making the transition from private school to uh, public school, and I um, was on the football team and happened to you know know him um, just briefly. He lived in my neighborhood. We grew up next to each other, and he was always the public school kid that uh you know don't go near and but (laughs) but for the most part you know we we got along and as the uh year school year progressed um actually in English class we had English class together and I uh helped him on majority of his homework um because it's Andrew so English was not his thing no no (laughs) not much of anything (laughs) so that's actually private to public is there a story there um, I went, to, I'm not really entirely sure why my parents, um, I was fortunate enough that I'm one of, uh, one of four, um, and my parents all put us through private school, K through, um, eighth grade, and then made the transition to, uh, to Freeman, mm. um, in high school. And I guess that was just to mix it up and get some, you know, some flair into it. So. Yeah. The mindset maybe is, Hey, no, no need to go through public schools, K through eight for various reasons, but hey, the real world has people from lots of different backgrounds. Public schools may be more representative of that. Maybe that was their logic. That yeah, and actually, I was thinking about um, you know in the eighth grade going to Benedictine, um, looking at that. I really the way that they kind of recruited you is hey, you get a saber, you know, your senior year. And I was like, oh, this is cool, military. I like this, but didn't go that route. So. Well, uh, Catholic and military is quite the combo. Yeah, for Benedictine. Yeah, a lot, lot of, lot of guilt, a lot of discipline, <laughs> a lot of tough love. Very much. So. <laughs> Couldn't imagine it. So y'all, y'all met in English class or, or the football field? Or so we met football field. So my um, a little you know story. Mine was a little bit different. Is that I was uh, freshman year playing football, doing the whole two days. You know, meeting all my classmates and playing in the ninth grade team, um, and then. Uh, right before school started is when I went to my aunt's river house and that lead, led to a uh, jet ski accident. So you're what, 14, 15? Uh, yeah, about 14 years old. Um, and so that kind of delayed uh, my, um, you know, basically high school start to public school. Um, so background on that is that we were, uh, 2005, we were, um, up there just as a family. Uh, I took one of my best friends at the time that he was also a public school kid and, you know, trying to get in and took him up there trying to impress him. And, um, my aunt had two jet skis and we had been going on the whole day riding them back and forth. Um, and what happened was, um, it started getting a little rough out there and, What was the body of water again? Uh, it was the, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, like Whitestone area down in the river. Rappahannock. Rappahannock. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Rappahannock river. Um, and you know, being 14 years old, just being a knucklehead driving around as fast as you can. Your your, your brain's not fully working. No, not at all. And probably in hindsight should not have been on a jet ski, um, by myself and doing just idiot stuff. But 
So we did that all day. Um, and then around five o'clock, six o'clock, um, there was a storm coming in and we were like, let's take them out one more time, um, before, you know, we have to saddle up and go back to the real world of playing football and all that fun stuff. So my buddy and my sister were on one jet ski. Um, I was on the other and we decided to leave and, you know, drive out. I was like, why are you riding with him? He's like, it's cause it's your sister. I get to go ride with your sister. I was like, all right, whatever weirdo. But so we were driving out there, um, having, you know, the time of our lives didn't probably do the proper procedure before leaving, check the gas or what have you. So, um, my sister and my buddy on one, I was on the other, we stopped, uh, met and talked with my parents that were on our Carolina skiff, talked to them briefly and they were like, all right, time to get back into the dock. So we were like, okay, fine. We'll, you know, we'll go back. Um, the storm started kind of coming a little bit. The waves were getting a little rough and my sister and my buddy, um, they ran out of gas and they were probably, I, I don't know how far ahead of me, but far enough that I didn't see them. The waves were getting choppy and rough and I essentially went over a wave. They were floating there and I T-boned them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the last thing I really remember was pulling off the dock and that comment my uh, my buddy said. Um, so I don't remember anything after that. Um, but what I was told is that I T-boned them in the way that they know that is because my parents were, when they were leaving, my mom happened to see me flying through the air, hit the water, and she you know, told my dad, hey, let's go back, um, go see what happened with these guys. So they drove back, and my sister and my buddy essentially uh went over there uh went over to me see me floating face down with a life jacket on um and they were fine your sister and buddy they well they were fine at the moment um you know my buddy ended up getting a really bad concussion my sister probably also had a concussion but also um broke the two front of her teeth Mm. um her yeah her two main front teeth and they swam over to me um, and saw that I was floating upside down, flipped me over, which apparently you're also not supposed to do in case there's neck injury. Yeah. Um, but what they saw but was... But you needed to breathe. Right, correct, yeah. And what they saw was my sister apparently was wearing like a lighter color bathing suit that had turned dark when she got up to me because of the blood that was just coming out um, and coming coming out of my body. And it was coming out from my ears. Um so my dad picked me up out of the out of the water and got me to shore um, as fast as he could. And since the Carolina skiff bottom flat bottom, you know, pulled up, ramped up all the way on the shore, and the details in between, I don't, you know, they've it's been almost twenty years, but um, those were apparently that we got a ambulance there as quick as possible. Um, he continued to say, "Hey, you know, stay with me, stay with me, don't don't go on me." Um, and got an ambulance, uh, there picked me up. They took me to the local hospital there. Um, which is not really a hospital. No, no. And they saw my condition and realized that, Hey, we have to get a, uh, a medevac here as quick as possible. Um, and so as they were not entirely sure of the details, but as they were going over the bridge, um, you know, the big bridge, the route three bridge, mm -hmm, route three bridge, um, the ambulance, they had to stop on the bridge because they couldn't find a, uh, a pulse. So they were like, I mean, we're, we're losing them essentially. They did CPR on the bridge. They did CPR on the bridge. And, um, 
you know, apparently, I don't, I don't know if this is true too, but I got uh, the defibrillator there on the bridge as well. Um, but they stopped, stopped on the bridge. Yeah. Which is already like, <laughs> might be a no, no, but, um, well, it's also a bridge that people expect will, uh, have cars fall through it someday. It's not the oh, best yeah. bridge. No. So 20 years ago, it might've been a little bit better, but yeah, still not which, a I'm bridge. sure it was, it was better, you know, back then. But so then, uh, they got me to the hospital, decided that I needed to be medevaced, uh, realized that I needed to be in a, um, coma so that I didn't go to a cardiac arrest. Um, so they put me in like a self-induced coma or somehow. They induced a coma like in transit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, one, once I was at the hospital, got it. um, so then medevac, I wouldn't go into cardiac arrest. So I guess I got medevac to MCV downtown Richmond, um, in the trauma unit. Uh, so that happened on a Sunday. I woke up on a Wednesday. They couldn't get me out of the coma once I landed. So they were like, Hey, you know, I I don't know all the details of how I ended up coming out of it, but came out of it. Um, and they were like, or I just woke up and I was like, where am I? Had no idea what happened was had, you know, tubes every which way. was like, what is going on? Where am I? Just, Dazed and confused with it. Um, was anybody in the room when you came to? My mom was. She was quite the character and, you know, looked over at me and was like, oh, my gosh, start crying. And my dad was outside, and then he ended up coming in. And Did dad cry? I don't remember. I don't know. Probably. We'll say he did. Um, but, you know, I woke up and had everything, all those tubes in, and I was like, like, what happened? She said, hey, you were in a terrible jet ski accident. You had to get medevaced here. I had neck brace on because um, I tore all these ligaments in my neck. And I was like, well, am I going to die? Like the way that she described it seemed really horrific. And I mean, it was, but I didn't know. And she was like, you know, she's quite the character. And most people are like, no, everything's going to be fine. She was like, well, we don't know yet. Oh, gosh. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? she's supposed to be encouraging, I think, at that point. <laughs> so I started getting all worried and, and concerned and, um, you know, everything kind of the next few days, they were running some tests. Everything was looking fine, checking out. Um, they're like, you're, you're on the, up the right side of recovering. And then my dad made a comment to the uh, neurosurgeon saying, you know, when, when everything was happening, there was blood coming out of his ears. So they were like, okay, well, you know, the CT scans or the, um, the, one of the scans or whatever, the x-ray said that he did fracture his skull. Um, so that, you know, kind of makes sense, but there's something else that might have to be wrong. Let's do an MRI just to make sure everything's okay. Or a CT scan, one of those. And that's when they found two pseudoaneurysms in my carotid artery, left carotid artery, mm. essentially right behind my ear. Um, when they saw that, they said, Hey, you know, we have to do surgery right away on this. So they ended up doing Going back in, running the test, doing the surgeries, they did them successfully, you know, stented and coiled the two aneurysms. Um, and they said, you know, as I was coming out, hey, if they didn't do that in the next few days, then I probably wouldn't be here. Um, so that was a shock. Shock for sure. And that that's the then I was in the um the hospital for another like month ish, just recovering from that, watching all my vitals, everything. So that essentially delayed my, uh, my public school big time. Yeah. Initiation. Um, 
And I remember I, you know, before, because brain trauma and everything, they were like, we're going to ease you into school. So I was signed up for like German for a bunch of like extracurricular activities. Cause I'm a private school kid. I knew how to be, you know, take on public school. Well-rounded. Yeah. yeah. And I go in there dropped German, you know, dropped, uh, got, had like th- two study halls and then happened to have an English class, um, <laughs> with Andrew. Um, and then one of the other ones was this, uh, AutoCAD, you know, engineering, um, class that I was two months behind on, but that teacher, Mr. Gradwell was like, Hey, I want you, you know, you, you want to be an engineer. Let's get you set and right. And we'll get you up to speed. So very thankful that he, uh, he pushed me and, you know, through a lot of hard work was able to stick that class out and did well in that one. So the only issue academically was you were just two months behind. You didn't have any like long-term effects. No, I mean, I, I did all these tests. Like, uh, I don't even remember the names of them, but they were like, Hey, you know, I remember they were like, well, what is your name? And I was like, well, still the same. And they're like, what day is it? I was like, I have no idea. They're like, Ooh, and writing down the thing. I'm like, what? that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> like what color is this? I was like, black What color is this white. And so no real issues. No, um, you know, that was probably the biggest thing is that I was like, Hey, I, you know, I, nothing happened it just was like two months of my life that everyone was worried about me and I wasn't really worried and you know being 14 you don't really know what I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes I was like I'm fine this is great a lot of attention did you have a fractured skull yeah so I did have a fractured skull um tore a bunch of ligaments in my neck um and was in a neck brace for a month which was funny because when I did end up going to high school and going to uh, homecoming for the first time asking a date. Um, there's pictures of me, you know, and with my neck crooked because they had the neck brace on maybe wrong or I don't know, but you know, I'm 115 pounds looking, you know, goofy. So that was really the only thing physical that was in the two, in the, in the two aneurysms. Certainly. And yeah. Two aneurysms. Um, so from the neck down b- below the neck, nothing, nothing, nothing was wrong. Um, that surgery that they do, the, I've had uh, three three more of them. The, now they're angiograms, um, so they go up through the groin. So I had you know three three little incisions in my groin. They go up, bypass the heart, do everything, and put in stents and coils up there. And yeah. and you know being fourteen, I was like, oh, this is whatever. Okay. Yeah. And my last uh, angiogram was I think two thousand fifteen. Um, and when I was going through the procedure and them talking about it, you know, being an adult, I was like, this is kind of risky and I don't really like the, <laughs> this anesthesia. I'm still kind of awake. I look over and see like them going in my brain. Like it's a weird surgery because they can't put you down completely. So do you have to have more angiograms? Um, 2BD on yeah. that. Um, I'm supposed to probably get a few checkups, but my last one was clear bill of health, you know, um, live your life how you would. So that, so, so your first, before your first accident, what kind of kid were you super involved in sports outside a ton? Yeah. So we, um, you know, grew up here in Richmond, um, and had a family farm out in Buckingham County. So always outdoors shooting, hunting, just getting into trouble, um, in, in the right way, you know, uh, just, a normal, normal childhood. Always wanted to be either an engineer, kind of mixed in with a magician. Uh, oh yeah, still, still a magician. Really? Shout out. Oh yeah, yeah. Still. What's your best trick? Uh, a lot of 
Well, I watch a lot of YouTube um, tutorials first before performing, um, and I performed for my uh, my nephew last year, and it was more of a comedy show with magic okay. in it, so I don't really have any good tricks. I, are, are you on YouTube? No, far from it. <laughs> should well, you, Should you be? I don't know. It, my my brother tends to say, I don't know if you've ever seen Arrested Development, but I'm... Um, I'm very familiar with the concept, but I think I've only seen maybe a couple episodes. So there's a brother on there, Job, who is a magician, um, an aspiring magician. Uh, and, you know, I think that a lot of things that he does is I emulate. So in the magician world, of course. Who plays that role? Oh, my gosh. I'm drawing a blank on his actual name. like a red-headed guy with a mustache and maybe bald head? Or am I thinking of no, that? No, I'd, I'd have to... Because it's Bateman and his buddy, uh, the Canadian guy, um, Will something. I think... I think yeah, Spear, uh Yeah. He used to be married to Amy Poehler. Yeah, I think... Arnett. Will Arnett. Yeah. I think that might be who it is. I don't know. That might be Joe. Yeah. yeah. Just goofy. I think that is him. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, normal childhood. Um, what number out of the four are you? I'm number two. Okay. So I, you know, the oldest middle kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the tallest. Um, but yeah, sports were always a huge thing. Um, primarily football. Remember I did, uh, karate for a while with my dad and then I was always kind of a shy kid, actually a very shy kid. Um, and I was doing karate with my dad and I remember they were like, all right, well now that you're you got this, you're going to start competing against just other people. I was like, Nope, not doing it. I quit. So I quit that. Uh, but like my dad, he coached me all through like, I guess since third grade till eighth grade football. Um, and then, you know, played lacrosse in high school as well. And he was my coach there. Um, so he was a huge, uh, you know, advocate of sports, huge you know, mentor for sports as well. Um, what'd you do in the winter? Hunt. Uh, really just Hunt, hunting was that big of a deal for you? Did you ever try basketball? Because you're taller than me by a good, good couple inches. Yeah. I, um, so even in high school, the coach was like, come on out, just be on the practice team. You know, you don't have to do too, too much, but we just need bodies. And I was like, I'm just really bad at basketball. Um, better at hitting people, but I, we ended up playing in, in the high school. We played the, the YMCA league, um, is adults, which, we you know won championships. Andrew was on that that squad too, but I just uh, big bodied and I was a, always a football player at heart, playing basketball, which is never good. And my my wife is a very talented basketball player, and so one on one she could take you no problem. Oh yeah, she does all the time, and it's actually frustrating. But she I, I played as an adult um, a few years ago, like the um, uh, Big Ben. Ben Wallace's league mm. and just I'm just not good in that competition so good and she would go to those games and be like you need to learn to box out do this and <laughs> she would just get so frustrated so you would we, enjoy boxing out if no you, I feel like hitting people oh I did and then she would get on me because I you know get, do all this with my hands and hit people my dad always used to say because he was bad at basketball too he's like you got five fouls you might as well use them so <laughs> I know I know a lot of football players who play basketball. And they play it like the, it's a football game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've uh, actually, I guess, last year um, was playing in the Ben Wallace League and ended up uh, fracturing a rib, mm. um, going against a guy that was way too big and talented. And so I have since retired from competitive basketball. I understand. Ankles and everything, just not my thing. So playing football, were you always a defender, or did you play both sides? 
So, uh, Little League, I was primarily always defensive line, um, the long, lengthy, you know, kind of fish fast uh, defensive line. Uh, high school was always, um, well, high school, we can get back to that, but um, uh, played defensive end and then also tight end um, just because it made sense that, you know, big guy, big target. Um, but, yeah, so I, <laughs> another, I guess we can, pivot to, to that too. Um, so after the jet ski accident, I was medically no contact sports, no nothing. Well, I can't um, imagine any doctor would say, sure, go hit your head against other kids' heads. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so the whole thing, this, this thought of what I had was, Hey, you know, I went through this horrific accident. I'm still alive. Nothing happened to me. I'm in, you know, I'm a teenage boy. I'm indestructible. I can do whatever I want. Um, so that kind of went down weird rabbit holes of like, Hey, I'm a risk taker now. And really in a weird way, open my, my shell in a way. Cause I mm. used to be shy. And then I was like, Hey, I'm, you know, the jet ski boy. And you know, I almost died. So yeah. what's, what's to lose? Yeah. I'm like, Hey, whatever. So, you know, taking a little bit more risk, more outgoing. Wild and, how, how that happens. Oh yeah. Cause you just, would expect you'd stay in your shell. Oh yeah. And I just. I just was making friends, public school, new transition, you know, just excelling in school, even though I'm supposed to be, you know, terrible brain trauma. And I was, I was great and fine. So went through all that. Um, then that led up to, I think my sophomore year, uh, winter of sophomore year, I went up to, um, Erie, Pennsylvania, because that's where the neurosurgeon that did my work, he ended up, um, moving up there for another practice, got another, um, angiogram there. He looked at me and said, Hey, you know, live your life. You're free. Your aneurysms are contained how they should be. No, no, nothing worse. Um, so live your life. Most docs in that position would take the safe road. Yeah. Right. Cause they don't want, they don't want any liability. Yeah. No, they probably, you know, I'm sure people that, this goes on there like why why would he ever say that um but for the most part everything was fine with it and he said live your life and <laughs> one of my biggest things was like hey can i ride roller coasters still and he was like sure yeah because you're 15 that. yeah yeah and i actually always wanted to be a, a pilot too so i was like can i ride roller coasters and fly he's like yeah okay whatever you want just do whatever um so that was the winter of my sophomore year in high school so I started, you know, working out with the team, realizing I couldn't miss two years of playing football, you know, JV or whatever, ninth grade. And so I was like, all right, this year, my junior year, that's when you start getting looked at by recruits and going into college. So I'm going to be great. Um, got a uh, clean bill of health. So I was like, I'm going to play lacrosse this spring. It's going to be wonderful. So played lacrosse on the JV squad. Loved it. Um once again, had a lot of frustration. So basically was a football player with a stick <laughs> and would hit people. And yeah, you have a weapon now. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, Oh, this is even more fun. So, um, the lacrosse season ended in the spring. Um, and then we were up at our family farm, um, me and another buddy, and we were driving a Kabuta, which is like a, um, glorified golf, uh, golf cart. That's diesel, you know, utility. And you're, Two years away from the jet ski accident. 
yeah at this point just yeah just a little over two years or a year and a half um i think it's around 18 16 months away from it and was like hey you know let's go and kind of that daredevil-ish whatever and so we were riding up and down um through the trails over in the the farm and going down as fast as we can go and making turns outrageous turns and just being idiots call it a mud, mud dogging or something when you tear up the the, the trails and Damn. just being idiots so we were going down um this hill and right before we went down actually andrew called us um and spotty self phone service but he was playing in a varsity tournament lacrosse um tournament and was like hey what are y'all doing we told him he's like just be safe we're like all right yeah what an idiot all right whatever telling us to be safe so uh hung up the phone and we were like all right let's go down as fast as possible this round this time and then we'll call it quits um don't touch the brakes just go down metal you know pedal to the metal as fast as you can make the turn i was like yeah this will be great so uh essentially did that and took a turn um that was too sharp and there was like a little bit of a dirt mount on it the the way that i hit it um kind of flipped you, you were driving i was driving of course naturally yeah the risk taker um and the way that i hit the dirt mount kind of elevated and put the atv or kabuta on on a, on the side and for whatever reason i, I stuck my leg out um Oof. And yeah, it, uh, then you stuck it out to brace. Yeah. Essentially, you know, falling off a bike, you stick your leg out to brace, which once again, hindsight is 2020, but that was probably the dumbest thing ever. Um, because then I snapped my femur and, um, was the way that it, and once again, you're in the middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere. Um, I don't even know where the hospital is there, but it's about an hour. Charlottesville probably. Yeah. Probably Charlottesville. Yeah. It's, a, you know, an hour and 30 minutes west of Richmond, so still in the middle of nowhere. Um, but the way that I, I, it landed, um, you know, it dragged and probably just momentum went another 10 yards. Uh, my leg was under it. Um, and my uh, – the battery – where the battery is held was also there – was, there's was kind of like a sharp ridge under there, so it, it – grabbed hold of my calf muscle too and you know opened that up um nicely did it cut the muscle i guess i mean i don't know it, i still have a scar there it looks like a nike check and so i always said yeah. i was sponsored by nike nice. you know? but uh in a very weird way in a very weird way but i'm not sponsored um and so i'm sitting there laying like that my buddy is above me because we we did have our seatbelts on so that was a positive and he undoes his seatbelt and was like, whew, that was crazy. Glad we're all right. All right, let's do it again. Let's flip it up and uh, let's do it again. I was like, I don't know, man. Something's wrong. Like, I, I can't feel my leg. And he was like, oh, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. I was like. So I, you didn't hear a pop or. Mm-mm. Well, because I guess the, the Kubota was kind of loud. Yeah, it, 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 I guess that was loud and just adrenaline kicking in. And it just happened so quick. Um, and I was like, I, I can't feel anything in my leg. And he was like, oh, you're fine. And I couldn't. He obviously hadn't looked at you. No, no, he was so it was still on its side, and you know I was kind of pinned back. I was like, I can't like move down to grab my seatbelt and undo it. So he helped me with my seatbelt, and when he did that, I it's kind of gross, but I essentially like unraveled um, and looked back, and my uh, femur was 
not through, but it looked like I had two kneecaps in a way of both bending in the same way. So right above your kneecap is where the break was? Yeah, essentially uh, like, I don't know, six six inches above my kneecap. Um, just a clean break right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? So really freaked out there. Um, and You're not walking? No way. No. No, not walking, not even knowing, like, how do we get out of here? What are we going to do? My dad was on the tractor, um, you know, bush hogging a field or something. So you always hear about, you know, these grandmas that lift cars off babies and adrenaline kicks in. And my buddy, he uh, he was in in a fight um, a few months earlier and broke his thumb because he always claims he's more of a lover, not a fighter. So he's a cast on. And I'm like, dude, get this thing off me. Like, I I'm pinned down and you know, he's like, all right, all right. It was a one, two, three. Yeah. It's not moving, man. Sorry. Adrenaline wasn't flowing. It's no, for him. no. So I was like, all right, well go get my dad. So Ron, he ran probably the fastest. He was our goalie in lacrosse. Um, Typically not a runner, not a runner. Yeah. And you know, probably ran, you know, a, a Olympic record mile to go get um drilling probably kicked in at some yeah, point yeah. at some point he's, he's ready to rock and roll went and grabbed my dad he they came back and was, assessed the situation was like oh my gosh what did you do my dad you know after reliving me almost dying 16 months ago he probably couldn't imagine no and so he comes off and is like you stupid son of a bitch what did you do god damn it and i'm like i don't know <laughs> So both of them then decide that they're going to try to lift it off. They couldn't lift it off. So he went back, got the tractor, and got the um, the you know the front, I guess, lift and was yeah. lifting it up. And as he was lifting it up, it slid down, slid back down. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out. Like, what the hell? And um, they eventually got it off and got the um, – it was a Suburban, like a – you know, GMC XL giant suburban threw me in the back, put my leg up. Were you bleeding through the skin or everything was contained? Everything was contained except for my calf. My calf was bleeding. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they put me up, put my leg up and then it just flopped down. Like I had had nothing. So (laughs) put two packs of bird seed next to it to hold it in place. And then hightailed out of there. Um, was going on route 60, about, you know, 85 miles an hour cop happened to pull us over um and my dad did what you're not supposed to do he jumped out of the car started running towards the guy yeah. yeah and the cop was like get back in your car he's like i got someone in the back and opened the back and the cop ran up and was like holy shit like looked at it and i was just like you know in and out of consciousness um but you were mostly conscious a lot more conscious than you were with the jet ski I oh say. yeah so i remember this this one was definitely more men- mentally tolling um just from well the actual physical aspect, but also just living through and dealing with that trauma. So they get an ambulance there, um, and they're going to rush me to the hospital. And I guess that halfway through they were talking and they're like, we got to get a medevac to MCV. This is trauma. And so <laughs> I get medevac again for the second time. Um, are you even 16 at this point? I don't think so because I, or I might've, I might've had my learners. So, Almost, almost 16. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, I no, I do remember that because step back a little bit. I got um, an underage drinking ticket my sophomore year. You were a fun kid. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great over Christmas break. Um, and so I remembered why, because my parents ground me until my 
um, my birthday, my 15th birthday, which is in May. So it was the week after my freedom of, you know, what, five months being grounded was when I went up to the farm and then a week later snapped my femur mm. and essentially was uh, re-bedridden, so kind of grounded again for another, you know, three months. Grounded whether your parents wanted to or not. Yeah, that yeah. would have been better to ground me then. So, yeah, I did have, that's right, I did have my my learners at the time, but yeah, I mean, still a young young kid and being an idiot, I, uh, I had a cut on my forehead um, from a lacrosse game because I was, you know, a football player and just hitting people and happened to cut those helmets aren't made for high collisions no they're not so cut that and then they put me in another neck brace because they're like hey you hit your head i'm like i didn't hit my head don't put me in this neck brace but they put me in the neck brace and you know i have half kid now but i I actually liked that medevac because i was conscious for it and i love helicopters and i was like fun ride yeah despite the leg break yeah i was looking out the window like oh this is awesome look at me i'm flying downtown richmond and why didn't they take you to charlottesville I don't know. I think uh, the trauma unit at MCV maybe was better to to handle what they thought yeah. was something you know different. Um, and then at the time, I also didn't realize that you know your femur also has a giant artery. Mm-hmm. It runs that can be very bad. That if you nick or hit, um, my leg was swelling just from the natural part of trauma and they thought maybe that there was some bleeding and they had to probably was yeah they they had to do they thought that i hit the the big ligament again but i didn't so that was good well so uh at your tender age you've had two very traumatic things that most people have never experienced one like that you're not 16 yet so you you recover from that let's say the the bone is mostly healed um are you Mr. Risk Taker again after that, or are you a little more cautious this time? So that kind of, I mean, you know, there's certain things that happen in your life that dictate the way that you kind of continue living. Um, and one of the, uh, the, I guess, medevac unit guys that was there, I was telling him my story because I was like, oh, this is my second medevac. And he, he's he like, looked, what? Yeah, he was like, you're an idiot. And he actually said something that I still remember to this day. I was like, listen, if you keep acting like this and you keep doing these dumbass stunts, you're going to be dead before you're 18. Mm. And to your point, that kind of stuck to me a little bit of being like, all right, well, maybe I shouldn't be as risk adverse, but, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to be uh, back in my shell. I'm just going to probably, you know. You, you can live life and still be a little bit measured on the edges. Right, yeah. yeah. So that 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 put a pretty thing that I still think about. Um, and some people say I'm still a little too risky, but, you know, can't hold everything back. So. No, I mean, life's meant to be fun. Life's supposed right. to have risk. Uh, and if you run away from risk, then you're not living. Right. Um but there are some things that are just plain old dumb. Yeah. And so I think I stay away from the super dumb things. Um, and I think that, you know, those two accidents, uh, the way, you know, that I look at them, like they, they did slow me down. They did kind of take away from potentially going a different route of being a better recruited college athlete. Um, and, but at the end of the day, like one of the greatest things that I think that I am able to do is, always be a forever optimistic uh, person and I think it's because I was kind of toyed on the 
the the levels of hey you know might not come back from here so i'm like oh well you came closer to the edge than i ever have yeah so i you know my wife always jokes with me she's like oh you're my forever optimistic i'm like well you know it's it's raining but it's, the grass needs water so. yeah that's right and i'm still here yeah yeah so so this both of these happened before your junior year playing football yep did you play your junior year no so the, say, there's no way so the recovery on that was more just taxing um i had to essentially relearn how to walk um i still you know my leg i mean i don't have any issues now but um my leg was basically so weak. The muscles were all jacked up. I still have like scar tissue on the back of my leg. Mm. Um, it just the way that they twisted it. So I spent, uh, quite some time just on the couch. Um, and then eventually got into rehab. I, I went into a, uh, you know, being at 16 or 15 years old, a pretty dark place of, you know, I, I, I'm missing out. I can't do anything. Why does God always do this to me? You know, I'm, you know, taking pain medications, um, and everything else. I'm like, I'm just, just depressed essentially. Um, and it was really tough, uh, very hard for me to kind of compartmentalize like, Hey, I was coming, I was on the upswing after a terrible accident. And now this, um, that, that was really hard. I think mentally, definitely more, uh, challenging, especially being so young and not really going through puberty too. And being like, emotions and your brain brain's not fully formed and yeah. no so um but that you know i kind of think it you know give the cards that you're dealt and that kind of led to hey i'm gonna get better i'm gonna get back on the field somehow i'm going to prove myself that i can still do things so then that led to me being uh the film crew my junior year um personal film crew for the football team what was it about football that you loved being around because obviously being on the film crew is not playing, but you wanted to be there. Yeah. In the I, middle of it. I mean, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I think my love for the game, um, I knew that that was something that I was very good at previously, or, you know, I thought I was good at it. Um, I think that it, the fact that I've been around it for so long that, you know, people come up to me and say like, Oh, your dad was one of the best football players in high school and all this stuff. And I just, I loved it. Um, I loved everything about it i loved being i went to a uh art monk football camp actually are you a commanders fan i am not complete opposite cowboys fan okay. just like they're both bad Henry. neither yeah. one neither one's good for me well i know your bucks your bucks are <laughs> your bucks are your bucks good good memory oh, they're, yeah. they're mostly a tragedy but anyway but uh yeah so i went to an art monk football camp and one of the the um commanders at the time, he was saying, you know, football is the greatest sport, greatest thing ever, because it is literally, you can do physical assault and legal assault every single play. And I just, I just soaked it up and loved it. And defense was always like, hey, you know, I don't have the greatest hands. I'm not the fastest, but I will hit you hard. And I just loved it. It's the funnest thing to do in football. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's better than scoring a touchdown. Like an awesome tackle is better than scoring a touchdown. Yeah. And my, I guess, playing since third grade till through college and, or uh, yeah, in college and everything, I only scored one touchdown. But, you know, there's something about a sack when that's it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That, that's, that sack is probably almost as valuable as a touchdown. Oh, yeah. Especially, you know, a third down, like, whew, you get one of those in you and then. It, it, there's nothing like it. So that, that. So, so you're the film crew guy mm -hmm. your junior year. Did you play lacrosse your junior year? 
I did. I ended up um, making varsity and playing um, second second line midi. So you know, just running up and well, down. Well, midis have to handle the ball. Yeah, and I wasn't the best ball handler. I was known as the enforcer. Okay. Um, kind of, you know, just pick up the ball, get it across midline, give it to an attackman, and get off the field. <laughs> um, I had a few goals. Had a few goals. Sure. Um, I had the the leverage shot, so I would do a jump shot essentially and just jump as high as I can and bounce it, try to bounce it in because the goalie didn't know when it was you know coming eight feet high. Yeah, I was going to say taking advantage of your height. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I uh, played junior lacrosse, loved it, um, and that kind of set me up for my – No problems with your leg? No, I mean – not not anything like my rehab was great um and just i probably knowing no knowing what i know now would probably have done a a few things different in terms of rehab but i mean didn't really have any crazy issues had patel tendonitis just because things were weak um and you know maybe a little bit different size wise of my leg um but Still had a metal rod in there and screws and you still have that? Oh yeah. 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 Rest of your life, right? I guess so. I guess I could get it taken out if I wanted to, but that's another story. Is, you know, my uh the week going back to the hospital for a checkup, we were rushing to the elevator and my dad was running to get the elevator, kicked out one of the crutches, and I landed on that leg. So one of the uh the screws are actually bent. Um, we got the x-ray and it's, you know, like a almost upside down frowny face. Oh my gosh. My dad, uh, told the doctor, he's like, you know, just screwing with him. He's like, you put it in a bent screw. And he's like, <laughs> I did not do such a thing. So he's quite the character, but, uh, yeah, that was, um, I guess those will be in for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, between all the metal that's in me, I was like, Hey, you know, if I do go like cremation, take all that stuff and if it survives the heat like these are <laughs> nice memories <laughs> in a way here's, here's not, what's left of course yeah, not too too morbid <laughs> but yeah i think they're you know full of metal um but yeah so i was able to play my my senior year which um was did really well um but you weren't a recruit a college recruit no so i, I essentially missed that you know the junior year most important year in high school um from recruiting standpoint I was actually looking at redoing my junior year um, and going just for football, just because of football, yeah. because I, you know, six five, you know, I guess I was six five, like one hundred and ninety pounds. Defense fan is relatively fast. Like, hey, that could take you somewhere. So I was going to repeat my junior year and go to private school again um, and go to collegiate uh, and play there. Play, get to play with my cousin, being my cousin's grade and everything, and. I remember I was, I've always been a big pros con list, you know, writing pros and cons. And one of the cons was like, Hey, I'm going to have to wear preppy clothes. <laughs> and at that age, that's a big deal. Yeah. Sure. I was like, I don't want to wear collared shirts every day. And so ended up uh, just playing senior year, um, doing, doing well, created, you know, super late to the recruiting side. So created a uh, highlight film, sent it to a bunch of local schools, um, division one schools, um, Sent it to a, a handful, you know, just in the, I mean, Virginia has a great kind of recruiting um, focus and good colleges. So sent it to all of them. Didn't really hear back um, from many. Richmond was a, you know, a potential walk-on opportunity. Um, and then I was like, all right, well, I'm actually another one, Randolph-Macon, which I was heavily, they had a lot of interest in just because, you know, they kind of knew what they were getting for 
maybe a discount. Um, yeah. So I was kind of weirdly torn between them and, um, a, a, you know, any kind of Division One school that would potentially offer a, a scholarship or a walk-on position. So ended up um, out of kind of my whole going back to childhood was always outside and wanted to be. I had an uncle that was in the uh, Marines and Army and grandparents. My um, my granddad was a JAG and my other granddad was in the Navy. So I was like, you know what? I don't know. I kind of always wanted to do be in the Marines, wanted to do military. And that was probably all the World War II uh, videos that my dad would make us watch and everything. But so I ended up applying to VMI and um, getting into VMI and then talked to the coach there and sent him my, my tape. And he was like, hey, you know, I want you to come on as a preferred walk-on um, with if you make first or second string anytime you're here, we'll look at giving you a scholarship. So that was the greatest opportunity that I had for getting a scholarship playing Division One football. Um, so essentially after senior year of high school, was like, let's do it. And Go military route and perfect. Everything will work out. Get to play football. Did you uh, enjoy the military experience at VMI? Well, and I say military experience. You're actually not in the military, but drill and ceremony is the same. The uniform has to be kept in certain order. Uh, you're waking up early. You're doing a lot of physical exercise. So, what I was also uh, told on, well, my dad always said, well, technically you're in the Virginia militia. You can be called <laughs> up. And I was like, you're right. So I did. <laughs> Uh, maybe technically, I've, I've never heard of the Virginia militia oh, yeah. being called up like that. It's it's deep in Wikipedia. If you look at VMI, uh, <laughs> that I don't know. I guess back in the Civil War, they were technically. Called I was gonna say, on. I was gonna say, if you're 150 years older yeah, than you are I now, know. so that's that was the claim to fame there. Um, but yeah, going in, I mean, I was all gun ho on military. I was signed up for Marine ROTC. Um, wanted to be signed up for an electrical engineer major, uh, was all in kind of chasing my dream for it. Got there, got yelled at by a gunnery sergeant, you know, like the first day of football. And I was like, this kind of (laughs) sucks. Um, and then realized that electrical engineering is very hard. Uh, so I was like, you know what, I'm also going to change my major. So before your school even started, um, you know, we went up two weeks before um to for football and then kind of went through that transition and then hell week and then you kind of do a hell week and then you go and start classes before classes started i had changed my major twice and changed my rotc um i was like i'm not doing marines not a chance too hard hardcore for me um i'm focusing on football and then changed my major because it was just it was just too much um, with everything. So I I definitely liked elements of the the military. I was actually um, you know switched to Air Force for two years, and then um, had a serious conversation about potentially going into the Army, um, and was on track to uh, commission or you know go to LDAC and and go in as an officer, but. Had another setback um, my junior year, retro junior year of football, which um, we flew up to play Stony Brook uh, right after Hurricane Sandy. And it was... It was uh, 2012. 2012. Yeah. And it was the coldest game I've ever played at. Like, I typically, you know, I was a defensive defensive outside linebacker, of course. I'm going to wear short sleeves no matter what, what winter, whatever, you know. 
and it was the only game when I wore two long sleeve shirts and I was like, this sucks. It's freezing. We had to fly in the day of because nowhere else had power. They flipped on the power to the, <laughs> the, the stadium playing in that game. They were, uh, I think Stanley Brook at the time, they had uh, two guys that ended up going to the NFL. Mm. One of the running backs, they were just absolutely filthy, just, just abused us. And I, um, I remember I tackled a guy across the middle of the field and heard my shoulder pop and looked down at our uh, our safety, which that tells you how far the ball was. It was mm-hmm. all the way to our safety. I was like, I think there's something wrong with my shoulder. And he's like, dude, you're fine, you're fine. And I couldn't lift my arm. And I was like, God, dog, what did I do? So they, uh, they ended up, you know, taping up my shoulder or whatever and was like, oh, you're fine, keep playing. So kept playing. And then after the season, I um, – I got an MRI and ended up tearing my bicep and my uh, front and rear labrum um, had a, you know, I think it was tier three degrade tear or something. So essentially was playing with one arm. Um, And so then that had a trickle effect of, hey, you know, we can't send you to uh, LDAC and um, everything else. And because of my previous injuries too, they were like, Hey, you know, we're going to have to get you medical clearance in order to actually go into the military. And so I, I ended up getting clearance like the fall of that year. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm, I'm doing military route, like going army. Woohoo. And then, uh, the shoulder deal happened and they were like, Hey, we have to resubmit a medical thing. And then at that point I was like, I've just been hitting the head so many times with different stuff. Like I'm done. I'm, I don't want to go military route at all. Um, well, in 2012, uh, we were getting out of Iraq, and so yeah. the need for people wasn't as great as it was maybe a few years earlier. Yeah, there was actually, like, the, I guess, sequestration and um, everything else. Like, if you weren't top, I remember there was just a couple of the guys that, like, they either got their scholarships taken away or, like, hey, we're going to have to delay your commission. And, and I was like, you know what, I'm just, after being in military school for four years, yeah, I'm okay. I, I didn't go to a military college, but uh, I wasn't in, in the army, and it's uh, it's I imagine it's very different than the the academic military school experience. Yeah, that that experience. I mean, it, there were elements that it, you know the everyone always says, "Oh, terrible place to be, great place to be from," which you know to this day is true. But I will say, like I was just telling, we were just up there for my ten year reunion and bonding with the guys there. Like it's it. There's no, I, I can't even. I mean, you probably know the, the the brotherhood that you have, and this was academia, so it's a little bit definitely different. Um, Still powerful, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, the same old guys that you, you went waking up with doing, you know, class. You went through hard things together. Yeah. yeah. You handle adversity differently together, and that on top of being a Division One football player, too, and handling not having a, much of a uh, winning record either. Like, you know, you get beat down a lot, and – they're always there to build you up and it, you know, it, you have your buddies to lean back on. So that part of the school, I will always appreciate and praise and loved it. Um, you know, and everything else was kind of secondary besides football. Um, but I, I just, once again, every single season preseason, we were always looking at the bottom of the barrel of where we were going to finish and, Every single season, I would look at our schedule and be like, "We can win that one. We'll win that one. We have a chance to be, you know, nine and two, like easily." And then three games winning season later, I'm like, "Yeah, well, that was wrong." But goes back forever optimist. But you were an optimist, yeah. exactly right. All right, so you were technically a rat, but I 
so I graduated high school in 87, a long time ago. But I knew a lot of guys that, not a lot of guys, but I knew a few guys that played either football or baseball there. And the experience is different for an athlete than it is for a non-athlete rat. How is it different? Or, or I assume you picked up on that because you had friends that weren't playing sports. Yeah. So I had, um, well, first of all, your rat year, they mix everyone together. Um, you're put in a company based on your height and you're with that for all four years. And so. Wait a minute. So there was one company of, of like giant guys? Yeah. So it starts alpha. <laughs> it was, it was hilarious. And I was the tallest rat. <laughs> But it starts. Um, <laughs> you, were, you were the tallest in your class. Oh yeah, even there, the basketball guys. Really taller than the basketball guys. Wow. Yeah. There's a picture of me. And, you know, they do it by height, and I'm still just boop. Still see the little, uh, you know, I guess gray hat and everything. And but um, they did it so the short guys always had Napoleon complexes. And, the whole company. Oh yeah, they they were the most ruthless ones because they would just yell at you, and they were like little. little they were like the rats because they were just sitting there and you're like, all right, little chihuahua guy, go away from me. And they're like, give me out of I'm like, what are you doing yelling at me? Um, He's looking straight up. Oh, yeah. It was it was, it was entertaining. Um, but, I mean, I had so many people that from Richmond, I mean, it's like the mecca of BMI yeah. for the relationships and tell me, like, just be flying the wall. Just don't think. I'm like, I'm the tallest guy there. How am I going to do that? But <laughs> the, the giant fly in the room doesn't avoid uh, detection. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, I, you know, I... I I don't know, handled it relatively well. And, you know, I remember uh, we, so to your question, I mean, we, during the rat line, you're not supposed to have your phone and everything else. Like we would go to the locker room. We had our phone. I would call my dad and be like, I want to come home. I want to come home. I want to come home. He's like, quit being such a pussy. And you're game out. I was like, I just want to come home. I want to come home. So he wrote me a um, letter my rat year that I kept and still have, it says one day at a time. Um, very simplistic, but like, that's kind of a way that I still continue to live my life is, you know, one day at a time, things are going to be bad. Things are going to be good, but one day. You've been through worse in high school. That's, that's also very true. Um, and so I would, you know, it's a mental game. I would, uh, during a sweat party or what have you, I would, you know, sing songs in my head and, I'm sure you have all the kind of tricks and sure. things too. And like there's uh, some song. It's a game. Man. Oh yeah. It's all a mental game. It's a and, game. and I kind of thrive in that. I'm like, oh, all right, here we go. Be fun. Um, but yeah, we definitely were treated differently. Um, being an athlete, uh, you know, sometimes from non-athlete people as a rat, they would grill you even more because they knew you were getting out of stuff. Yeah. Which, yeah, to be fair, we were, but they also weren't getting their head beaten in by they, seniors. They weren't playing football. Yeah, no. And I, I don't know if I shaved this morning, but when I get my 5 o'clock uh, shadow, you can kind of see the scars in my chin. I mean, I had my chin busted open my uh, my rat year by a senior. It was 200 and, you know, he was 250 pounds uh, defensive end. I was like 210 pounds playing defensive end, just getting steamrolled by the offensive lineman on the practice squad and everything. And he just went up under and cut my chin open. I ended up getting stitches there. I've had like 20 stitches in my chin just from, cause I like the Brett Favre old school, uh, oh, chin strap. Really? Oh yeah. That was my thing. Oh, which was just dumb. Not me, man. Give me all the padding I can handle. No, nah, so I had I had that little soft. I guess mine was more Aaron Rodgers than the Brett Favre. Yeah, but Rodgers and Favre were not playing uh, outside linebacker. That's also true. <laughs> so I I busted up my chin a decent amount and had you know significant uh, 
scars, but I, I like them. I like my, my battle wounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, you know, okay, the rat line lasts for eight, nine months or however long it is. Then you break out, then you're just a regular guy there. Um, and you know, I still had to go to practice and had to get tutors for Spanish class because I'm, you know, practicing and waking up, watching film and doing this and then having to start homework at, you know, because you're a division one athlete. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And that can be, you know, plus or minus for, from a competitive standpoint, which is probably why we didn't win crazy amount of games because you you have to do the military thing and then start practicing and it's not the full focus of right of anything. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, so, what, what was your best record? I don't know. Um, probably four games, three or four okay. games. I don't know. So, never had a winning record. No, not while I was there. Um, has, has VMI ever had like good teams where they're winning eight, nine games? I know in like the 80s they were really good okay. or pretty good. Um, and then I think 2005 they ended up uh, with a winning record. And then more recently um, under uh, one of the coaches from UVA when he was there, uh, switched over and head coach at VMI, they ended up winning the uh, Southern Conference. Oh, wow. So they, they were – ended up being, you know, knowing how to recruit right and had uh, – ended up – having good talent and then the transfer portal thing started. Um, and now, you know, they lose a lot of players. Well, I mean, it's hard to recruit kids out of high school to go to VMI because of the military thing and the rat line. And like, why would I go through that? I can just go to this other school that's equally as competitive, but I don't have to go. I don't have to be a rat. Well, that's the thing too. A lot of the recruits that we had, like we had um, a handful of guys that, you know, they were five-star recruits and then happened to blow out a knee. And so then they're like, oh, okay. All the big schools are like, oh, we're so we're almost like the team of misfits in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I'm kind of an example of that. I was, you know, all beat up and didn't really get looked at by many other schools. So I was like, oh, all right, I'll be the misfit and keep playing. And it doesn't mean that we weren't talented as individuals and what have you, but it's just a little more beat up than the average. Yeah, guy. yeah. And yeah. I had to deal with getting yelled at by short guys all the day. All right. So you graduated college. What what was the plan? So, um. You know, I didn't really have – so my senior year, um, spring senior year, I was like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to not use my redshirt year. I'm going to just graduate um, and then figure something else out. Did your love of football sort of subside at that point? I was just a little frustrated just given that, you know, I had I was coming off my – Richard junior year was my best season I've ever had. And I was like, well, you know, why not go out um, with a bang and having to rehab the shoulder and get back into shape and everything else that, you know, it's just tough. So one of the potential routes I was going to take was to graduate and then do my retro year at Richmond um, as a graduate student there. Um, I talked to some of the players after working out with them, you know, during the summers and they were like, yeah, why don't you just do that? And, I always a uh, half kid that, you know, my dad was my manager and he was a terrible manager because he didn't tell me to do that. So my uh, ju- um, senior year, spring semester, I was on track to graduate. I ended up dropping a class um, so that I could go back for my fifth year and play one more season. Um, and before that, we were uh, playing a, uh, um, in-house scrimmage, you know, red versus red versus white scrimmage first team offense versus first team defense and 
I was, you know, back on my starting position. Everything was great. And they ran like a counter sweep or something, um, you know, a sweep outside. And I don't know why I did it, but I dove for him um, on the outside and then subluxed my shoulder that I just had surgery on and rehabbed. Mm. So that, uh, that was just kind of a heartbreaking thing that happened because then that was a four-week rehab recovery, um, three or four weeks of, hey, you know, can't play this game, can't play this game. But ended up coming back for the UVA game. Um, and oh, you all played UVA back when you were there? Oh, uh, yeah. We got a nice little payday from getting beat up by UVA. I didn't realize VMI played uh, UVA that recently. Yeah, so we, we played them two, I think two times when I was there. Um, were the games close? First quarter, you know, first five minutes. Yeah. 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 When, uh, it, when it was 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, one of the games we played, um, it was actually a pretty close game at halftime. Like, you know, maybe 7, or no, 10 to 3 or something. And then y'all have a lot more people than us. and <laughs> A lot more people and uh, three and four star recruits that didn't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 49 to something and... That was actually my um, my redshirt redshirt freshman year. I was second string, um, and ended up earning my scholarship. Um, but we uh, we played UVA, and the first string guy he was like an all American or all conference dude, just just big, huge, awesome. Opening kickoff ran down. He blew out his uh, his ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game it was one of the earlier ones in the season that you know they play and. I was then put in the position to play the entire game. Um, and I remember at halftime, it was just over by the trash can, just like I can't catch my breath at all and continue to play. And I actually had a pretty good game that game. Um, but that kind of started, you know, redshirt freshman playing and continued to to grow for the next two seasons. And then fast forward, had that uh, shoulder uh, deal. And then um, my, my, yeah, my, that scrimmage of playing or the inner squad scrimmage then had that other setback and I was like, you know what, what, what is happening? Like this sucks. So I ended up playing that season. Um, one of my best, but you know, just kind of to your point was like, Hey, I love football, but just my head's not in it. I just need to get out of this place after being here for so long. Yeah. yeah. So, um, ended up graduating in December. I was actually in the locker room talking one time, like, Hey, what do you want to do? Um, and I was like, kind of want to move to Australia. Yeah. Um, I, I did a, uh, a, a report in third grade, um, on a country, you know, you had to do those country reports or whatever. And I picked Australia, um, learned about it, ended up liking it, saw Santa Claus on a surfboard and was like, <laughs> that is cool. I want to do that. Um, so ended up one of the guys that I was, one of my teammates, his aunt lived in Australia and it was like, hey, you know, I can reach out and figure something out. And, you know, you can go there and live with her. Or here, here's the contact information you figure it out. So I was like, sweet. So I uh, graduated December, packed my bags in January and flew across uh, the no, globe. No, no job lined up when you were flying? Um, I had like kind of a job lined up. So originally I, I wanted to just go to the Outback and like decompress and out back with the uh, seven deadliest snakes yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah, why not? You know, had a few accidents before. We just keep on going. What's, so. a, what's a brown snake? Yeah. <laughs> so I that was the original goal. And then I was like, hey, maybe I should make money. So my uncle happened to um, do some work over there 
um, and got me in good contacts with the bank in Sydney and ended up working. It was supposed to be like a two-month job and then come back home, um, but ended up working there for two months and then worked as a temp um, under a the, like the group reporting. So when they're doing their annual reports, like writing up the notes in the back of the reports and ended up getting hired to stay on a little bit longer. Um, I've kind of half kid, but one of the reasons why they said I got the job is because, uh, they liked my American accent, um, and Southern drawl. They've never had an American work on their team. So I was like, cool. Wow. Yeah. If that's... Yeah. You definitely don't sound Australian. No, no. I do have a pretty good Australian impersonation sometimes, but I know you're happily married now, but, uh, Australian women apparently love American men. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Um, Happily married. Uh, I will say the accents got kind of annoying. Um, and I just kind of actually did it. But they always end like their sentences with a uh, like, hello, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, God, just stop doing that. Um, but, yeah, I would turn on the accent very hard and be like, hey, how are you doing? You know, my name's Chris. A little McConaughey kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I'm from Virginia. They're like, Virginia? I'm like, oh, God. Um, but no, had the the time of my life there. Um, was there for almost a year. Uh, just absolutely loved it. Wouldn't you know? Ended up going to New Zealand, um, going out to the outback. Um, went up to the Great Barrier Reef. My sister flew out there. Yeah. We had such a great time. Um, Same sister that was on the jet ski. No, I, the youngest sister was out there. So you know, I just the memories that I have out there. It was really like, okay, I've been in military school for for four and a half years don't really know what the real world's like let's give an experiment of hey here's all your freedoms and you're making good money like yeah. here and it was great i loved it. i would never take that away from um that experience away from me why didn't you stay uh there's a few few reasons one of them um the work visa that i had mm. required you to um stay there and then be in like then you had to, in order to extend it, have to do like three months working on a, on a farm or something. And, and I was potentially planning on doing that, but my sister was getting married in, um, September. So I had to fly back for that. And then I kind of had some weird visa issues that I was like, yeah, this just seems like a lot of work. Um, and then I was, um, yeah, just decided that it was a little harder to go back. What if you had done a report in third grade on North Korea? I I may have ended up there. Um, or maybe, I don't know, probably, I don't know, knowing myself, maybe would have ended up there. You would have seriously thought about it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm glad I didn't. Um, it's probably a good idea. Though, yeah. But I remember, I mean, even like I just was obsessed with dingoes, obsessed with like just that Australia was, I mean, I guess this kind of goes back to my risk taking stuff. Yeah. I was like, it's deadly out there. There's dingoes. They eat you. And then, you know, I was a big Seinfeld guy, like dingo ate your baby and everything. I was like, Oh, kangaroos are no joke too. Yeah. Yeah. They, I actually tried to go kangaroo hunting. Um, cause they that's were, the thing. Yeah. And on some of the farms out way outside the city of, uh, uh, Sydney, because Sydney's not very like friendly towards that stuff. But, yeah. um, ended up going out there into the mountains, which I didn't even know it snowed and Australia. That's how ignorant I was, but took a train out there and, uh, was planning on going hunting, um, kangaroo hunting, but there was so much snow that we 
apparently if there's snow on the ground, you can't shoot a kangaroo or something. I don't know. I don't know all the details, but. I didn't, why is kangaroo hunting a thing? They're like deer over there. Right. Um, so they're, they're all over the place. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are like, you would see them hit on the side of the road and they're bigger than deer. Some yeah. of them can be. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, it's. So conservation's a thing. Yeah, yeah, huge thing. But um, that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I ate kangaroo, but yeah, I didn't get to get one. Do you don't remember what it tasted like? I know it's probably beef or something. Yeah, beef or chicken, probably typically. I would think rabbit, but I don't. I don't know why. I, I think don't know. Rabbit. Yeah, maybe I, the ears. The ears are similar to rabbits. I don't know. I think you eat the tail. I can't really remember. That seems like it would, I, I have no idea. I can't remember. I could be just completely making that up. We could probably Google it later. Yeah. Yeah. I ate something that I remember was kangaroo. I had emu, alligator, or crocodile. Um, did the whole thing. Just full experience out of military. It was like, you know, walked across the Harbor Bridge, went to the Sydney Opera House, actually broke a Guinness Book of World Record down there. Yeah. For what? Uh, world's largest blind date. Um <laughs> And it is factually true. You could Google that one too. <laughs> what? So I, I don't know. I was I was literally, you know, knew no one, was social butterfly wanting to soak up everything. And so, uh, and I've also always wanted to break a world record. That was, you know, I had the Guinness books growing up and um, we were sitting there and I found it on like a meetup or one of those things like, come join us to break the world's record. And I was like, all right, cool. So it's a blind date. You're, you answer a questionnaire a little bit. They kind of sort of match you with someone. You're matched for an hour. that You sit there um, and have a, a date. And I think it was like 473-ish couples. Okay. So 800, whatever that math is. Um, Still a record? I think so. I mean, I I, I did a two, two, two Truths and a Lie the other day. Um, and you know, medevac twice and world record holder are my truths, which I'm giving away for if I ever play that game again, it is a sorority. Um, but, uh, I, I think I Googled it because people I played with didn't believe me that that was a world record because it's so insanely kind of dumb, but, um, seems breakable too. Very breakable. I mean, yeah, it was, but it was kind of an excuse to go to the opera house, go inside. I'm not really a opera guy or show guy but it's, it's, it's the opera house in sydney though right yeah so it was like okay why you know i'm here this is so such an iconic building and so that was my my venture down there was to the uh to the opera cool. house. yeah and i'm guinness book i had the printout sheet they sent the email that i uh, chris harper's a guinness book world record holder and i was like sweet it's pretty cool yeah so that was uh that was it really um that you know my australia like i did uh skydiving when i was there um bungee jumping just the risk stuff that i said i probably wouldn't have done didn't um, go all the way to the edge but came pretty close to yeah it. yeah and getting out there was actually uh i don't know an experience too because you know being right out of college don't have any money just trying to get the cheapest way possible so i ended up flying from richmond to dallas to la la to china and then china down to sydney yeah. and you know on a map and globe you look at it you're like oh china's relatively close to sydney no that was like no. another nine hour flight I was gonna so. say not not even close yeah. yeah i left on a monday and got there wednesday evening and <laughs> got off the train and was staying in a hostel and just like kind of broke down because i was like 
What did I do? I'm sleep deprived. I don't know anyone here. It's just you're silly. exhausted. Yeah, yeah, essentially. So when you came back to Richmond, uh, what, what were you doing? So I I came back. Um, I was speaking with one of my dad's friends that um, he ran or you know had a uh, um, catering business on the side. So I was doing uh, some bartending, catering. Um, bartended a uh, bar mitzvah and some other just random events. Um, and then, so during college, I was an intern at the current um, place that I work now. And, you know, I came back and our founder is a uh, VMI guy. And he was like, hey, you know, would you like to kind of, we're building out our team, our research department. Would you, you know, want to come join um, in a way and come interview? And I know you, you intern and you did good work. So, Want to come join? And I was like, sure. The VM um, VMI network in Richmond is crazy strong. Oh yeah, it's it it. I mean, it goes back to you know, it's the mecca of uh, of VMI. It's like if you go to Lexington, you kind of still want to be close, but you want to you want to be in Richmond. So yeah, um, yeah. I ended up uh, coming back and starting. Actually, I guess November. What is today? Oh, ninth. Um, yeah, November fourteenth of two thousand fourteen. Um, ended up starting there and been there ever since. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and what, what uh, high level, what do you do there? So highest level, I mean, I'm a research analyst. Um, so reading, writing about stocks, pitching those stocks, um, to our portfolio managers and then investing that money. Um, and it, that has, you know, this job has essentially unlocked so many great opportunities. Um, I've gotten to speak to, you know, CEOs of defense companies and, mm. um, you know, potato processing companies and tinfoil companies. And it, it's probably one of the coolest jobs that I could think of. Um, that it just the autonomy of, you know, I'm a generalist. I get to look at kind of any different, uh, stocks, any different market caps and, um, any different sectors and just really dive into their business and see if they're a good, uh, company with a competitive advantage, you know, just the classic kind of Warren Buffett approach. Yeah. Um, so, are you mostly looking at financials, or are you looking at non-financials, or bit both? Me personally, I'm not. Um, I don't. I don't get excited um, looking at financials um, in terms of like financial companies. Like from a uh, business part, we we do look at like you know balance sheet, income statement, and yeah, yeah. cash flow, and um, so we model and look at financials like that way. But from a sector stuff, we're I I tend to like you know kind of in my core competency of things that I like or can understand is makes it more interesting and more enjoyable to look at those yeah. kind of companies. No, absolutely. All right, let's close with you telling me about your, uh, your wife and your kid. Yeah. So or you um, have two kids now. Just one, just, just one. So, well, first my, my sister, she has four in a four and a half year span. They live a mile down. Yeah. They live, uh, they live Wait, about, how old's the youngest now for your sister? Uh, he is four no he's a 2020 baby so yeah uh three and a half so she has three and a half to like seven, eight seven or eight. Oh yeah he just turned his birthday was in november so yeah three and a half to eight yeah so um it's a lot going on there oh yeah and it's it's fun when i go over and i've because you get to leave exactly so i've had my training of uh being the the best rent uncle ever you know i'm a magician i perform it there their birthday parties and, and, and a comedian. Yeah. And a comedian for them. And so I, I love it. Um, so that sort of in a weird way prepped me for, uh, 
you know, being a parent. Um, I come from a big family and family's very important to me. Um, so kind of was relatively prepared for that. Um, and we had her, uh, my daughter's birthday was just, uh, I guess last week. Um, so my wife and I, we met, uh, back in 2018 and ended up getting married during COVID, which was another set of adversity Mm. because we had a venue picked out and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then having to pivot about a hundred times over, um, to a much smaller, much smaller wedding, which once again, hindsight was wonderful because it was more, uh, intimate and, you know, I didn't have, uh, my dad's lawyers, best friends, cat, you know, person that was there or whatever. So it was, I, I loved it. And I hope that my daughter, um, you know, we, we got the pictures and did the videography and, Hopefully, I can show my daughter that uh, you know less is more sometimes. Um, <laughs> well, because you're uh, your father in, in Virginia, and I think one of the unwritten rules is you pay for the wedding. Right? Apparently, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my I have two daughters that are not married right now. I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, invoice. I know. Yeah. So I mean that they should go that route too. Um, but yeah, no. So we 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 met in 2018. Um, you know, I think one of the greatest things that we did was we traveled a lot. Um, she's a boss at her job. And so her, um, job ended up taking us to Vienna. Um, mm. and we, for just a president's club or, you know, hitting something that through work that you went it, for a few days mm-hmm. okay. and then we extended the trip and, uh, went to, um, Croatia mm. and ended up getting engaged in Croatia, oh. kind of set the bar way too high there. Um, was that plan before you left the states oh yeah. yeah um i you know was cool as a cucumber had the, the ring in my backpack making sure that i uh you know didn't lose it and they were like would you like insurance i was like no we don't have anything valuable on this trip don't worry about it um and you know i was extremely nervous to, for that and that's yeah, weird yeah how nervous you get it, it was and i uh did the probably one of the best you know i i Instagrammed um, a photographer and was like, "Hey, can you meet me at this place? I'm gonna propose to her." All through social media, which was crazy, and you know, walk up and I was like, "Hey, here's my phone. Can you take a picture of us?" And my wife was like, "Okay, something, something's up." And kind of know, and I was like, you know, like nervous. And she's like, has a camera. She's like, "Oh, I can take a picture on this camera and send it to you." I'm like, "Yeah, that'd be that'd be great." And then I get on one knee. I'm like, "Will you marry you?" She's like, <laughs> "What?" I was like, I, I mean, um, it's legal in Croatia. You can yeah. marry yourself. It's like, well, you know, they, what they say, you have to love yourself before you give yourself to others. Um, and you know, her, her answer wasn't really as great as mine. My question, she was like, did you ask my dad first? And I was like, yes, of course I did. I'm a Southern gentleman. Of course. Is your wife from Virginia? No. So she's from uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, which, uh, she's from, that's where we ended up getting married up there as well. Um, and they were a little bit more stricter on some of the COVID stuff too. So we yeah. ended up, uh, it's kind of fun because we ended up having like a, uh, college party hotel party, uh, as a reception, which was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, rented out the top levels and it was awesome. So. What, what part of PA? Uh, Harrisburg, or okay. she's from Mechanicsburg, but you know, it was relatively right, right close. Southern central mm-hmm. part of the state. So yeah. it's only like three and a half hours to, uh, from here to get there, depending on 95. Right. Um, add a child with it, you know, plus or minus, well, no, 
no minus, all plus. All plus. Yeah. So, uh, how old your daughter now? She uh, is one. Um, she's, you know, my wife is six two. I'm six. Well, I say six five. I'm, I'm really closer to six six, but six six is kind of freak tall. So I just say six five. You're, you're like six five and seven eight kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So and you're, um, and you're rounding down from that. Yeah. yeah. Most people in the program, you know, always like five eleven. Oh, round up to six feet. I yeah, <laughs> typically round down. It's kind of weird being six six, but uh, yeah. So my daughter, she's um, she's a giant already, um, and hopefully, you know. So she's gonna be like six one to six three maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to you know look at uh the the best return on investment from a sport aspect and granted i'll let her do you know whatever she wants but you, you, know, you might nudge her rowing and tennis seem like the uh the best roi hmm. from a you know low low kind of coaching and gear and yeah commitment to, basketball may not be bad either i know i know i my wife was a stud basketball player in high school and um you know I don't know. Maybe basketball too. I imagine your wife might be nudging your daughter towards basketball. Yeah, yeah. But I, I it, you know, I'm a terrible basketball player, so I want to be active in my uh, my kids' coaching, like my dad was, and I, I just I don't bring anything to basketball except for you know, you got five fouls, use them. <laughs> Do you think your uh, daughter will listen to this recording someday? I don't know. I hope so. Um, I think that you know, part of this, I've I've tried to write down. Um, my story in different ways. Uh, I wanted to write a book before about it and um, just kind of highlight some of the unique things that have happened in my life and the kind of way that it's taken me um, and how to handle adversity in ways. It's really impacted you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't think that I always show it. Um, I think my wife would say that I don't always show my, um, you know, different emotions that I have from that accidents or from my history or my past. But, um, you know, I think that that has impacted me and made me a stronger person and can handle adversity. And, you know, I think that that, that attitude is the one thing you can't have, uh, taken away from you. And so not that you want to have another jet ski accident or a Kabuta no. accident. Well, Chris, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad, uh, Andrew finally connected us. Uh, your story is unbelievable. Uh, and, you're still a young man. Yeah, 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 still, still young, and hopefully, now that I'm a father, definitely more risk adverse than I've ever been. So probably, yeah, that's natural. Yeah, yeah. cool. Thanks for doing this, man. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.